History Network, the African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I-M-H-O-T-E-P. Welcome to the African History Network show. It is Thursday, August 5th, 2021, and we are live. So on yesterday's show, you know, we talked about the eviction moratorium that was largely spearheaded by Representative uh, Cory Bush, uh, Democrat from Missouri, and the uh, CDC, uh, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, announced uh, an eviction uh, ban or moratorium until October 3rd uh, after pressure from uh, Representative Cory Bush and uh, Representative Maxine Waters and uh, Representative Ayanna Presley and Nancy Pelosi and uh, people across the country uh, speaking out in, in protest. Okay, so the news came down on um, Tuesday, August 3rd, about the uh, eviction moratorium. Well, late Wednesday, uh, August 4th, late Wednesday, August 4th, you had um, landlord associations that filed a lawsuit uh, to blocked this eviction ban. Uh, Alabama and Georgia chapters of the National Association of Realtors have filed a lawsuit to stop this ban on uh, evictions. So we're going to talk about this development here. This jeopardizes millions of people. Political.com uh, has an extensive article uh, on this. And the Alabama and Georgia chapters of the National Association of Realtors filed a motion in federal court to vacate the ban that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ordered on Tuesday, August 3rd. The same groups led a legal challenge against the prior federal eviction moratorium that expired on Saturday, this past Saturday, a lawsuit that prompted the Supreme Court to cast doubt on the CDC's authority. Um, so we'll discuss that. And then also on the readout with, uh, Joanne Reed, uh, today, uh, Joy had, uh, representative Corey Bush on. So we're going to share that interview with you. Then also attorney general Merrick Garland announced today an investigation into the Phoenix, Arizona police department a civil rights investigation into the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department. The Justice Department on Thursday announced a sweeping civil rights investigation into the Phoenix Police Department's use of force and its policies on dealing with homeless residents, the third federal probe of a local law enforcement agency launched since President Biden took uh, office. We know uh, Merrick Garland's office has, that Merrick Garland's attorney general uh, office has launched um, investigations into the Minneapolis Police Department as well as the Louisville uh, Police Department, okay? And that was this, uh, this past spring, they launched those investigations. So you, you have three investigations. Biden has been in office six months. It wasn't until 
uh, uh, I think it was February. It wasn't until February that Merrick Garland was uh, confirmed um, by the U.S. Senate as attorney general. And you already have three investigations into police departments. Now, there was only one investigation into the uh, into police departments. There was only one police department investigated under the Trump administration, and Trump was in office for four years. There was only one investigation. Under the Obama administration, there were 24, 25 investigations. Under Trump, there's only one because Donald Trump took a hands-off approach to policing. And um, this is one of the reasons why he nominated his attorney general, um, his first attorney general, Jefferson Beauregard Sessions III, Jeff Sessions, because Jeff Sessions was a hardliner and, and was against police reform, was against criminal justice reform. And one of the first things Jeff Sessions did when he became attorney general was to uh, back off of investigating police departments and back off of the patterns and patterns or practice uh, investigations of police departments to hold police officers accountable. Then um, there was a story that I was trying to get to yesterday that we didn't get to. We had so much to talk about and we talked about Renoka Rashidi and I shared another excerpt of the interview that I did with Renoka Rashidi from April 17th, 2014. Uh, dealing with the black Madonnas and child uh, statues throughout Europe. And we talked about some other history. Uh, Providence, Rhode Island will add African-American history to their school curriculum. Uh, the governor uh, there in Providence, Rhode Island has uh, signed a bill. Uh, governor McKee has signed a bill. Um, signed a bill on Friday, uh, July 30th that's going to add a crucial piece of Rhode Island's history to the public school curriculum, the teaching of African-American heritage and history, the teaching of African-American heritage and history. The new curriculum will cover the African diaspora to Rhode Island, which began with the first slave ship in 1696 and later drew individuals of African descent from the Caribbean, as well as Central and South America. And this was the first um, slave ship that came to Rhode Island uh, in uh, 1696, okay? So we're gonna discuss uh, that as well. Uh, Governor McKee signs Black History and Heritage Curriculum uh, into law for, uh, this is for Rhode Island. That's a, a very, very, that's a very, very important topic there. All right. And then also there's a um, tribute for uh, anthropologist and historian Renoko Rashidi that's taking place. Uh, this is taking place on Sunday, August 8th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. And I'll be part of this. Um, this is uh, one of the editions of Hapi Talk, H-A-P-I, Hapi Talk. And this is uh, Brother Taiki Grant, who's the director of the film Hapi. Um, so we'll give you some information about this, H-A-P-I, Hapi Talk. And it's gonna be on YouTube and Facebook. Uh, so they're gonna have uh, different uh, 
historians and scholars speaking and um, talking about Renoco, I'll be speaking as well. Dr. Le Dr. Leonard Jeffries, his wife, Dr. Rosalind Jeffries, Robin Walker, who I just talked about yesterday, brilliant historian Robin Walker, Camille Yarbrough, Professor Hunter Adams, Dr. Ricketti Amen, and Professor James Small. Okay, uh, they're all going to be participating, so I'll, I'll be participating as well. Okay, now on the African History Network show, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now it's correct for wrong behavior. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you control the circumference of his or her actions because the mind can't do or teach what it doesn't know. Now, we deal with, deal with a number of different topics here on the African History Network show. We deal with current events in history, politics, education, economic empowerment, entrepreneurship, relationships, love, sex, health issues, and much, much more. Sign up for our email newsletter. Text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter, text the word Kemet, K-E-M-E-T, to 22828. To sign up for our email newsletter. Also visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, and sign up for our email newsletter there as well. Um, you can still register for the uh, new 10-week online course that I teach on Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. From the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement, and uh, Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And uh, we'll give you some more information about that, but that's at, uh, at our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, uh, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. This is a 10-week online course I teach. We do the class live. All the sessions are recorded. You can go back and watch them over and over again. They're archived. Visit our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Okay, uh, let's jump into this first topic here. So, I, I saw this information. Um, I got the news about this uh, yesterday, and I'm trying. I can't remember whether it was before or after I got off the air uh, last night. It may have been before. Uh, I don't remember. But I, I saw this. Uh, Political.com had extensive article about this. Also, Axios.com has one. They, uh, uh, Yahoo News picked up an article from Axios.com dealing with this. Um, uh, moratorium, eviction moratorium. Um, landlords sue to stop Biden's, quote, nakedly political, end quote, eviction ban. Landlords sue to stop Biden's nakedly political eviction ban. A coalition of 11 housing industry groups said in a statement on Wednesday, August 4th, Wednesday evening, August 4th, that they opposed uh, the new ban. They oppose the new ban. Now, uh, trade groups representing property owners late Wednesday sued to block a new federal eviction moratorium that President Joe Biden himself warned this week was on shaky legal ground, was on shaky legal ground. The Alabama and Georgia chapters of the National Association of uh, realtors filed 
uh, a motion in federal court, filed a motion in court to vacate the ban that the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention ordered on Tuesday. Now, the same groups led, led a legal challenge against the prior uh, federal eviction moratorium that expired this past Saturday, a lawsuit that prompted the uh, Supreme Court to cast doubt on the CDC's authority. Okay, that was Saturday, July 31st. Now, the real estate groups, which have warned that their members are facing substantial financial losses from the moratorium, said in a legal filing that the CDC, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, caved to a tidal wave of political pressure from outraged Democrats when it revived the eviction ban, despite clear warnings from judges who said the agency lacked the power to enforce it. Now, Joe Biden knew that this was going to be challenged in court. He said that there were a few legal scholars who, who uh, felt that the CDC has the authority to extend this ban. Uh, but this, now this ban, th this particular ban that went into effect on Tuesday, August 3rd is a more targeted ban. It's not an extension of the one that expired Saturday, July 31st. This is a different one, but it's more targeted. It's, it, it covers, uh, 80% of counties and about 90% of the population. Okay. It covers 80% of counties and 90% of the, uh, population. We'll deal with this on the other side of the break, and then we'll also give you some information about how this affects uh, Detroiters as well. You listen to the After History Network show right here on 910 AM Superstation Future Radio. Uh, Brother Michael M. Hotel. We'll be back in a few minutes. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted. Empower yourself. Start your free trial today. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black all positive all the time the largest black owned streaming television network in the world bringing our people together worldwide controlling our messages our story our way black tv the way it should be black music black history and more 30 plus channels thousands of shows black on purpose television network subscribe now i'm ted the superstation detroit's only african-american talk radio welcome back to the african history network show right here on 9 10 a.m superstation future radio i'm your host brother michael m hotel uh it's thursday august 5th 2021 and we are live Calling numbers 313-778-7600. 313-778-7600 is the call-in number if you have a question or comment. Now, I want to let you know the 910 AM Superstation has a Godfather's package 
for those who want to advertise with 9, 10 a.m. The Superstation WFDF. Uh, they have the greatest advertising deal ever with their Godfather package. Their Godfather package. You get 200 uh, commercial spots for $500 with a must-air within 30-day policy. A must-air within 30-day policy. That is only $2.50 per spot. And uh, they will even produce the spots free. That's right. They will produce the spots for free. Call Renisha Williams right now at 313-434-8291. That's 313-434-8291. Call Renisha Williams about the uh, Godfather's advertising package with 910 a.m. Substation WFDF. Okay. Uh, Let's go back to uh, this topic here dealing with the uh, a group of landlords um, suing the Biden administration to stop the eviction moratorium. Okay, uh, you have the Alabama and Georgia chapters of the uh, National Association of Realtors. Okay, the Alabama and Georgia chapters of the National Association of Realtors have filed this lawsuit. Um, and they, uh, to stop the uh, ban on evictions that was instituted uh, Tuesday, August 3rd by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention. Now, uh, the CDC appeared, so the group says that um, the real estate groups which have warned that their members are facing substantial losses from the moratorium said in a legal filing that the CDC caved to a tidal wave of political pressure from outraged Democrats when it revived the eviction ban despite clear warnings from judges who said the agency lacked the power to enforce it. Now, the the groups groups said that the CDC appears to have acted in bad faith. Now, uh, the new legal challenge will fuel further chaos around the federal government's safety net for renters still struggling to pay bills during the pandemic. It will likely set off a race against time for policymakers to find ways to accelerate the release of $46.5 billion in rental aid, which was designed to backstop renters and make landlords whole uh, but has faced several, uh, has faced severe state and local bottlenecks. So there was a $46.5 billion um, that was in the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan that was rental aid for tenants as well as landlords. And as of mid-July, only 10% of those funds have been distributed. There's a bottleneck at the state level. Now, um, landlords are taking on the Biden administration again after warning that they lost billions of dollars each month under the original ban, which the CDC, uh, okay, under the original ban. Uh, Let's see here. Now, about half of, let's go back to the article here. About half of 
all housing providers are mom and pop operators, said the National Association of Realtors president, Charlie Opler. Now, landlords are taking on the uh, Biden administration after warning that they lost billions of dollars each month under the original ban. Uh, a coalition of 11 industry groups, including the Mortgage Bankers Association and the National Association of and the National Association of Home Builders, said in a statement Wednesday evening that they oppose the new ban and that the administration uh, and that, quote, the administration itself noted its lack of uh, noted noted its lacks. It lacks the legal authority for a more targeted eviction moratorium, end quote. Uh, about half of all housing providers are mom and pop operators. National Association Realtors President Charlie Opler said, quote, without rental income, they cannot pay their own bills or maintain their properties without rental income. They cannot pay their own bills or maintain rental income. We're going to go to clip one here in just a, a second here from uh, MSNBC Shakita. Now, President Biden allowed an earlier iteration of the eviction moratorium to expire Saturday, July 31st, because of a Supreme Court warning that the CDC exceeded its authority. But White House, but the White House reversed course this week and enacted a more targeted ban in response to a major backlash from Democrats who warned millions of Americans were at risk of losing homes. And they were absolutely correct. Okay. It's estimated up to 11 million. Uh, it's like, it's like about 6 million households up to 11 million people are at risk of losing their homes. Now the administration initially said its hands were tied by the June Supreme court opinion and tried to put, tried to put the responsibility on Congress to extend the moratorium that failed in Congress. Representative Maxine Waters was the sponsor of that bill that failed Friday, July 30th in, uh, in the house of representatives, but house Democrats cannot muster the votes to pass an extension before leaving for August recess. Personally, I don't think they should have left for August recess without passing the bill. But at the same time, you need 10 vote. You need 10 votes from Republicans in the Senate. So the bill was expected to die in the Senate because uh, most of those Republicans are heartless and they're not going to vote for it. N none of the Republicans in the House. And some people say, oh, you're being judgmental about Republicans. Well, none of them voted for the American Rescue Plan the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan, even though it's helping, uh, even though it's helping Republicans in their states who voted for them in the first place. Okay. No, no Republican in the house of representatives or the U S Senate voted for the $1.9 trillion American rescue plan that allotted the $46.5 billion in rental assistance, that rental assistance that came from Democrats. That bill was passed by Democrats. No Republicans voted for the bill. Senator Mitch McConnell of Kentucky in the last two or three weeks, he was, he was in Kentucky talking to his constituents, talking about how $4 billion was coming to Kentucky from the American rescue plan and how it was going to benefit, how this 4 billion was going to benefit Kentucky. Then he had to admit he didn't vote for the bill, but you're talking about how this 
four billion in the American Rescue Plan that no Republicans voted for. You're talking to, you're talking about how it's going to benefit Kentucky, and then you have to admit you didn't vote for the bill. So the the if it passed the House of Representatives, it was expected to die in the Senate because it's expected to be blocked by Republicans. Which means now 2022 midterm elections, a lot of Republicans in the Senate up for re-election. They, they need to be voted out of office. They need to be because largely they're not supporting supporting bills that are beneficial to Amer to everyday Americans. Not they're not even supporting bills largely that are beneficial to the everyday people who voted them in the office in the first place. We'll see what happens on the infrastructure bill, but we know that the second part of the infrastructure bill is 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 expected to go through uh, the uh, budget reconciliation process and not have any Republicans that vote for it. You just need a 51 vote majority. The second the second part of the bill. We see there's a we see there's a bipartisan agreement on the infrastructure bill and the text of that bill has been written. I think the bill is like 2000 pages. The text of the bill has been written. We'll see how Republicans vote on on, on this first infrastructure bill. If you get enough Republican votes, because you're going to need 60 votes to pass it. So we'll see if you get 10 Republicans to vote for the bill. Now, the new eviction ban. The CDC announced on Tuesday, August 3rd, is scheduled to last until October 3rd and applies to counties experiencing high levels of community transmission. It applies to counties experiencing high, le high levels of community transmission of COVID-19. The Biden administration scaled back the scope of the ban as it scrambled to come up with a new safeguard for renters. But the revamped moratorium still left landlords irate said uh national apartment association president and ceo bob pentagar uh, property owners were livid over the about face after the cdc said in june 2021 that an eviction that it, that an eviction ban renewal through july was intended to be the final extension the expected challenge from housing industry groups comes after Joe Biden and White House officials gave conflicting messages about the new policy's legal grounding. Now, Biden said Tuesday that any call for a moratorium based on the Supreme Court's recent decision is likely to face obstacles. But White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki on Wednesday, August 4th, said that, quote, the president would not have supported moving forward if he did not support the legal justification, end quote. Okay, now he supports the legal justification, but he he knows it's an uphill battle in court. And he said that at the he said at the press conference, he said there are a handful of scholars who think that they have uh, uh, the legal grounds for this moratorium. Okay, so check out the rest of this article here from um, polit politico.com. Landlords sued to stop Biden's nakedly political eviction ban. Um, there's also one from uh, axios.com that the 
uh, who's just picked it up? Um, Yahoo News picked up landlords mount legal challenge to Biden administration's new eviction moratorium. You can check that out as well. I want to go to this clip here. Uh, Representative Cory Bush was on uh, the readout with Joanne Reed uh, today to talk about the protest that she led and this uh, eviction moratorium she was uh, able to get put in place, okay? Let's go to this clip. And take, take it off mute. refuse to work with Democrats on the issue. They've called the moratorium government overreach and yet another example of leftist handouts. But for now, as many as 40 million Americans have a roof over their heads thanks to the work of Cori Bush and others. And Congressman Cori Bush joins me now. I want to thank you for being here. Um, I, I was texting about you on my way back uh, from Kabul saying we've got to get her on because what you did was heroic. Talk about the origins of this sleep in, this sleep out. Yeah, you know, I... You know, I fell back on what I know. You know, I know how to, when I feel powerless or when I feel like something has to happen, like there was this feeling on the inside of me, Joy, um, when uh, Representative uh, Ocasio-Cortez and Presley and I were standing outside of the, the doors of the Capitol building just wondering, like, what do we do now? Because we, the house had recessed, and we're talking about upwards, upwards of 11 million people that would be forced out of their homes. Like, what do we do? And I just felt like running on the inside of me, like, you know, just go, go, go. And I, what, what else do, what do I usually do when I feel like something has to happen and people, people will be hurting? Because the truth of the matter is that we are in the midst of a global pandemic that is deadly, that has taken out 600, over 600,000 of our people in this country alone. And how dare we push more people out while this Delta variant, you know, is surging. And uh, so I know how to sit, I know how to sit, sit in. I know how to protest. I know how to hold the line. I know how to sleep outside. I've done it for protests and I had to do it personally. Yeah, so you come from that activist background, so you really you said, understand that that is the way you sometimes have to move things. There's this video of, of Chuck Schumer, majority leader, Senate majority leader Chuck Schumer coming up and, and hugging you and sort of greeting you. In that conversation, that very brief conversation, did he indicate that there's going to be legislative action? Because it looks like these Alabama realtors and property owners are probably going to be successful in that right-wing Supreme Court, meaning that it's only Congress that can make this moratorium more permanent. Did he commit to you that he's going to, and it's going to have to be through reconciliation. We're back to the same place we were with voting rights. Is this going to happen? Yeah, so we understand that, and that was part of the conversation that we had been having. Let me just say, people um, have made the criticism that all I did and the other Congress members that were there, uh, and all, all we did was show up and, and slip outside. Um, but that's not true. We were having conversations with the White House, with the Speaker's Office, with um, uh, other others in leadership, the CPC, the CBC, um, and so many other members the entire time. 
so, um, but when um, when uh, Chuck Schumer came out, and you know, he was he was greeting us the way that he was because we had been in conversation because he had already come out. We had talked about like what this can look like, and he came. So when he came and hugged us at that time, it was like, hey, you all, you continue this work, and we did it. Like we're here. We have something for the people. Yeah. Well, by, by the way, the people who said that that was called a trash take. As Latasha Brown might say, literally. That was a trash literally. Case. So we, literally. that's why we didn't even discuss this here uh, this evening. Okay, so talk about the, the how the legislation ought to be structured, in your view, because, you know, the right is already coming out and calling this everything from socialism to Marxism. We know that it's, those are meaningless terms. They just say yeah. them. What do you yeah. think legislation should look like that would protect Americans in this first world country from becoming homeless during a pandemic? What do you want that legislation to look like? No, so we started sending letters to the CDC um, months ago. Um, some even as far as January, um, uh, other progressives were sending letters, and I know probably some moderates maybe, um, but we started sending letters months ago to the CDC. Our office has been saying, along with um, uh, Representative Gomez, Representative Presley, have been saying strengthen a moratorium have the moratorium go through the course of the pandemic. That is what we need to see right now. When we think about how this pandemic has hit homes, hit families, we have people who were the one bringing home the majority of the money or all the money to into a household. And some of those people are no longer with us because of the COVID-19. We have people who have not only lost jobs, but lost jobs and lost careers and are trying to figure out how, so they may be taking a job that pays considerably less. You know, and when we think about, as someone who has been evicted before, when I think about when you get behind and having someone to help you, but then you have to get back on track and then you have to be able to keep up on top of all the other bills and other things happening. So for me, it is making sure that we have that moratorium, that we have the um, youth where utilities are able to be paid, where small landlords are getting the money, making sure that we get this money out, that $43.5 billion that's still sitting, get that money out to the landlord, get that money out to those who need it most. But then after that, we see what we what else we need, who still is in need, how else can we help. Um, it's more than just making sure that we have money for renters and making sure that we have the money for the landlords. We have to make sure that, um, that people are able to get uh, better wages in the jobs that they have right now. It's, we have so many, we have a multitude of issues that are not being addressed. And I do yeah. not want to hear what people say We've already given too many handouts. Call it what you want to, but which, but what people don't like is to see people unhoused in their communities. You don't like, people don't That's like right. that. So keep people in their homes, help people to have this social safety net right now. Right. That is, that's very needed. All right. All right. So that is the passionate, uh, Corey Bush, representative Corey Bush. Democrat from Missouri, who is actually out organizing and fighting on behalf of not just her constituents, constituents, but people across the country. She's actually taking action. She's she's an organizer. She's bringing those organizational skills, those activist skills, to um, Congress. So good job uh, to her. And you know there was a. a article we talked about briefly yesterday's show and everybody should read this one this is from the griot.com it was african-american women who were at the forefront of pushing for this eviction moratorium 
okay? Uh, Representative Maxine Waters, who sponsored the bill in the House of Representatives that failed. Um, Representative Maxine Waters, uh, Representative Ayanna Presley, and uh, Representative Cori Bush. Read this article here from the GRIO. Black Congresswomen are leading the fight against eviction. That's not coincidental because African-American women are three times as likely to be evicted. Black Congresswomen are leading the fight against eviction. That's not coincidental. This is by uh, Dr. Nadia E. Brown uh, for thegrio.com. All right, we're going to go to clip, uh, I think this is clip two. Uh, no, actually, it's clip three, the one from Fox News. We're going to go to that one, uh, clip two. We're going to go to that one in just a second, Hishikita, from Fox News. So uh, this moratorium also applies to um, Wayne County. It now includes Detroit and Wayne County. Uh, there's a piece from... Uh, Fox uh, uh, Fox 2 News that talks about how this impacts uh, locally. CDC eviction moratorium now includes Detroit um, and Wayne County. And Wayne County, for those that don't know, is the county that Detroit is in. Uh, the United Community Housing Coalition says when they got the news, 550 households uh 550 households and possibly more in Detroit were on the verge of eviction. Uh, it is a welcome relief for the real people who can now stay in their homes. Uh, th uh, check out this piece here from um, Fox 2 News. This is uh, fox2detroit.com, fox2detroit.com. CDC eviction moratorium now includes Detroit, Wayne County, what you need to know. This is from um, Thursday, August 5th, 2021. Now, and we'll go to the clip here in just a second, Shakita. Um, it, it talks about, in this, in this story here, it talks about uh, Erica Long, who said, I would have been forced to live with somebody, and that's something I did not want to do. Um, so Erica, uh, Erica Long can stay in her home because Wayne County and the city of Detroit now fall under the umbrella of the CDC uh, of the CDC's eviction moratorium, which was extended until October 3rd for some communities. Um, uh, Erica Long said, be patient as far as do your due diligence, as far as your documentation and your paperwork. Now, Ted Phillips is the executive director of the United Community Housing Coalition who says over 9,000 evictions, over 9,000 eviction cases have been filed with 36 district courts since the first of the year. The moratorium's extension will help to stave off a flood of people losing their housing. He said, I think it's huge. He said, I think it's huge. There's not, uh, there's no completely scientific way of determining who all would have been evicted but we know that even by now, there would have been a lot of tenants who would have been evicted. Now, the reason for the extension is the CDC has reclassified, Center for Disease Control and Prevention, has reclassified Wayne County as an area under threat of substantial community transmission. The CDC has reclassified Wayne County as 
as an area under threat of substantial community transmission of COVID-19. Um, Ted, uh, Ted Phillips, executive director of United Community Housing Coalition, said, quote, people are evicted and they have no place to go. They may go live with family. And that is a, a that is a no brainer. But sometimes that father or mother is a senior or in a senior building or subsidized housing. And if there are covid issues, you are putting seniors at risk. Now, the coalition makes the argument that the moratorium has some unexpected benefits for landlords as well. Ted Phillips says, on average, uh, they're paying out around eight thousand dollars per case in back rent to landlords who otherwise who otherwise may not have a tenant at all, who may not have a tenant at all. The money coming from federal COVID stimulus funds, and that was in the $1.9 trillion American Rescue Plan that no Republicans in the House of Representatives or U.S. Senate voted for. Okay, let's go to this clip from uh, Fox 2 News Detroit, uh, Shakita. There are a lot of people who are now breathing a sigh of relief because they won't be kicked out of their homes. We had a chance to speak with a local advocacy agency, and they said that 550 Detroit households were on the verge of eviction when they got this news. So it's important not just for those community members, but also for the agencies that helped them. Would have had to have been forced to live with somebody and that's something I really didn't want to do. So it has really, really helped me tremendously, you know, because I don't know how I would have came up with that kind of money. Erica Long can stay in her home because Wayne County and the city of Detroit now fall under the umbrella of the CDC's eviction moratorium, extended till October 3rd for some communities. Be patient and do your due diligence as far as, like, your documentation, your paperwork. Even if they ask you to submit it two or three times, still do it. And just be patient and have hope and have faith and contact those people who you need to contact. So I think it's huge. Ted Phillips, the executive director of the United Community Housing Coalition, says over 9,000 eviction cases have been filed with the 36th District Court since the first of the year. The moratorium's extension will help to stave off a flood of people losing their housing. There's no completely scientific way of determining who, who, who all would have been evicted. Uh, but we know that even by now there would have been a lot uh, of tenants that would have been evicted that and have not been. And the reason the county gets the extension, the CDC has reclassified Wayne County as an area under threat of substantial community transmission of COVID-19. People are, they are, are evicted and they have no place to go. Well, they go with family a lot of times, of course. That, that's like a no-brainer. Uh, but sometimes that family is a, is, a, is a father or a mother who's senior in a senior building and subsidized housing. So if there is COVID issues, you're putting seniors at risk. And the coalition makes this argument as well. They say there actually is an added benefit for landlords because when they go to court, the coalition and other agencies are often paying out on average $8,000 per case of back rent. And that's money that the landlords wouldn't otherwise get if someone was in fact evicted from their home. We're live in Detroit. I'm Holder Goldstein, Fox News.
So, Hillary, how do people get help in Wayne County right now if they're in this situation and they need help? Yeah, it's very easy. In fact, there are two hotlines that are set up. It's sort of separated between Detroit and everywhere else in the rest of Wayne County. So we're going to get those numbers up on our website, fox2detroit.com. And something to keep in mind, if you have not actually gotten into court, you can still reach out for help. If you call one of those numbers, they will direct you to where you need to go. So don't wait, don't hesitate, keep documentation and keep the line of communication open so that you don't lose your housing. Monica? Good information. Thanks, Hillary. All right, great reporting from Fox 2 News Detroit. Uh, in this article here, CDC eviction moratorium now includes Detroit, Wayne County, what you need to know. Uh, at the bottom, they have the phone numbers that were mentioned. So uh, Detroit, Hamtramck, and Highland Park, uh, the number is 866-313-2520 um, for Detroit, Hamtramck, and Highland Park. The phone number is 866-313-2520 or visit the website DetroitEvictionHelp.com, DetroitEvictionHelp.com. Now for the, west, the, for the rest of Wayne County, uh, Wayne County, Michigan, the phone number is 734-284-6999-734-284-6999. And then also to stay updated regarding evictions, visit uh, 36th District, District Court's website, 36thdistrictcourt.org, 36thdistrictcourt.org. And uh, check out the article here from uh, Fox 2 News. Uh, Detroit.com. We'll post the link here on the thread of the broadcast. Now, uh, Detroit News also has um, an article. We're going to clip three, uh, Shakita, from uh, MSNBC. We're going to clip three. Um, the Detroit Free Press also has uh, an article here. Uh, CDC eviction moratorium now applies to Wayne County, Washtenaw County, and 42 other counties in Michigan. OK, uh, this is from August 4th, 2021 from Detroit Free Press. CDC eviction moratorium now applies to Wayne County, Washington County and 42 uh, other counties. This is an example of how elections have consequences. OK, it's not about voting for the perfect candidate. It's uh, one is voting for a candidate who's going to be reasonable and follow science. Not conspiracy theories, be reasonable, follow science, but also who can be pushed in the right direction to do the right thing? They don't have to be. They don't have to have all the answers right now. They don't have to be in the right place right now. Who can be pushed? Who can be pressured the most and pushed in the right direction to do the right thing? Okay, uh, I want to go to this next. Uh, speaking of doing the right thing, uh, I'm not talking about Spike Lee. I'm talking about uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland. Uh, Attorney General Merrick Garland held a press conference today to announce uh, an investigation into the uh, Phoenix Police Department, okay, into the Phoenix, uh, Phoenix Police Department, launching a patterns and practice investigation into the uh, Phoenix Police Department uh, because of um, allegations of police misconduct, uh, also, dealing with uh, policies on dealing with homeless residents, 
uh, as well. If we look at this piece here from NBC News, there's also one from Washington Post. Justice Department launches investigation into Phoenix policing practices. Uh, the Justice Department opened a civil rights investigation of the Phoenix Police Department on Thursday, looking at whether police use whether police use excessive force, treat minorities differently, and deal with and deal properly with the disabled and the homeless. Okay, they're looking at whether uh, the Phoenix Police Department uses excessive force, treat minorities differently, and deal properly with the disabled and the homeless. Phoenix police uh, face lawsuits and widespread complaints over their response to Black Lives Matter protests last year. One uh, lawsuit claims police filed false felony charges after rounding up 124 people, chasing them and firing tear gas. Now, this investigation would not have happened under the Trump administration. There was only one investigation into police departments in four years under Donald Trump. This is an example of how elections had consequences. All right, a lot of time here on that today on Superstation WFDF. Those watching on our Facebook fan page, The African History Network, The African History Network, and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotel. Keep watching. We're going to keep going for a few more minutes. I'm going to share an excerpt of this uh, press conference that Attorney General Merrick Garland did today. We'll also talk about the... Uh, African-American curriculum being incorporated into schools in uh, Providence, Rhode Island. Um, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show, and uh, at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting. And uh, when you go to our Cash App account, it'll show my name, Michael, and it uh, uh show my picture there then also be sure to register for my new 10-week uh online course that i teach on saturdays uh 3 p.m to 5 p.m eastern standard time from the civil war to the civil rights movement and black power 1865 to 1968 this is a 10-week online course in each class we go through and analyze about a 10-year period of time and uh deal with what happened to us after slavery uh, and we go through Reconstruction and Jim Crow era and World War One, World War Two, um, and uh, up through the Civil Rights Movement and the Black Power Movement. OK, we do the class live. All the sessions are recorded uh, so you can watch them over and over again. Uh, class is regularly one hundred thirty dollars. It's on sale. Eighty dollars. So it's right at, on the homepage of our website, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. Remember, right now is correct. Wrong behavior is not over till we win. We're kind of forever. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. All right, stand by, stand by. Okay, who still needs to register for this uh, 10-week online course? And at our website, when you click on register here, uh, it takes you to the next page and just click on enroll. Takes you to the next page, just click on enroll uh, right here. And as soon as you register, you can start watching the content. Okay, you can watch last Saturday's class. As soon as you register, you'll be ready for uh, this Saturday's class. And then the uh, other online course that I teach that is uh, the precursor to this one is Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. Ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, Understanding the Transatlantic Slave Trade, what they didn't teach you in school. 
Uh, I teach this on Sundays, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. This is a 10-week online course also. Uh, as soon as you register for the class, you can watch uh, last, uh, uh, last week's class, and you'll be ready for this Sunday's class also. All right. And this one, we deal with thousands of years of history and what leads up to the transatlantic slave trade taking place. And we deal with the 800-year occupation of Europe by the Africans known as the Moors and what leads to the transatlantic slave trade. And we go through and, and study the transatlantic slave trade also. Okay. All right, let's continue here. Um, so we're talking about um, the announcement from the Department of Justice today about the investigation into the Phoenix, Arizona Police Department. Now, this is the third investigation into the uh, into a, a police department under the Biden administration. And Biden's been in office six months. There was only one investigation of four years under Trump. There was only one investigation under four years under Trump. All right, now, uh, Phoenix police face lawsuits and widespread complaints over their response uh, to Black Lives Matter protests last year. One suit claims police filed false felony charges after rounding up 124 people chasing them and tear and, and firing tear gas. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland said the investigation will examine whether officers use excessive force, engage in discriminatory policing, violate free expression, respond improperly to people with disabilities, and violate the rights of the homeless by seizing and disposing of their property. Once again, this is an example of how elections have consequences because this investigation would not have happened under Trump and Trump's attorney generals. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland and Kristen Clark, the assistant attorney general of Civil Rights Division, said the Phoenix mayor and police chief pledged their full support when they were briefed about the investigation Thursday morning. Now, I want to go to, uh, we're going to go to this uh, press conference here in just a second. Let me pull up this clip here because we're not on 9, 10 a.m. Uh, WFDF anymore. So let me cue that up. Um, Attorney General Merrick Garland said, when we, when we conduct when we conduct pattern or practice investigations to determine whether the constitution or federal law has been violated, our aim is to promote transparency and accountability. Our aim is to promote transparency and accountability. Hold on just a second here. All right, let me cue this up here. Okay, our aim is to promote transparency and accountability. This increases public trust, which in turn increases public safety, Attorney General Merrick Garland said. 
Now, the Justice Department opened similar investigations this year, uh, this year of uh, police departments in uh, Minneapolis, uh, Minnesota, after the uh, death of George Floyd, and in Louisville, Kentucky, after the death of Breonna Taylor. Now, Arizona uh, released body camera footage in August 2020 showing the arrest of a man who died in uh, police custody after he was held on asphalt for several minutes in 100 degree heat, in 100 degree heat. Now, Attorney General Merrick Garland said uh, that how police respond to calls involving people with physical or mental disabilities is an important issue for the nation. How police respond to calls involving people with physical or mental disabilities is an important issue for the nation. He said, our society is straining the policing profession by turning to law enforcement to address a, a wide array of social problems. Quote, too often we asked law enforcement officers to be the first and last option for addressing issues that should not be handled by our criminal justice system. Now, this deals with what a lot of people have been saying, some activists, some uh, police officers have been saying, look, we don't have to respond to all this stuff. You can you can have it, mental health issues. Oftentimes, you don't need a police officer to respond to somebody who's having a mental health crisis. You need mental health professionals. You, you, you have to reallocate resources, reduce responsibilities and reallocate resources. Somebody with a gun does not have to show up to all of these, does not have to respond to all of these calls. You can have other people who are professionals in those areas to respond to these calls. Too often we ask law enforcement officers to be the first and last option for addressing issues that should not be handled by our criminal justice system, said Attorney General Merrick Garland. Now, Garland also said states must do more to head off evictions during the coal crisis. More evictions, he said, would add to the crisis of homelessness, which would then add to most likely police contacts, police, uh, 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 people being arrested, going to jail, and then probably most likely unjustified shootings is going to lead to more unjustified shootings as well, most likely. Attorney General Merrick Garland said the Justice Department intends to defend the latest moratorium on evictions issued by the Center for Disease Control and Prevention Many legal ex experts have said the Supreme Court sent a strong signal in uh, June of 2021 that the CDC lacks the authority to impose such a sweeping moratorium. So check out this article here from uh, NBC News. Justice Department launches investigation into Phoenix policing practices. I want to go to this clip here from... Um, uh, MSNBC, this is a uh, part of the press conference from today. It's the third pattern of practice investigation I have announced as Attorney General. Each time, I have noted that these investigations aim to promote transparency and accountability. 
This increases public trust, which in turn increases public safety. We know that law enforcement shares these goals. The Justice Department has briefed Phoenix Mayor Kay Gallego and Police Chief Jerry Williams about the investigation. We are pleased by their pledge of support. They too recognize that we share common aims. Our investigation in Phoenix will be led by the Justice Department Civil Rights Division. It is based on the division's extensive review of publicly available information, and it will consider several issues. First, whether the Phoenix Police Department uses excessive force in violation of the Fourth Amendment. Second, whether the Phoenix Police Department engages in discriminatory policing practices that violate the Constitution and federal law. Third, whether the department violates the First Amendment by retaliating against individuals who are engaged in protected expressive activities. Fourth, whether the city and its police department respond to people with disabilities in a manner that violates the Americans with Disabilities Act. This includes whether decisions to criminally detain individuals with behavioral health disabilities are proper. And fifth, whether the Phoenix Police Department violates the rights of individuals experiencing homelessness by seizing and disposing of their belongings in a manner that violates the Constitution. Those last two areas of investigative focus speak to an important issue that is broader than the Phoenix investigation. Our society is straining the policing profession by turning to law enforcement to address a wide array of social problems. Too often, we ask law enforcement officers to be the first and last option for addressing issues that should not be handled by our criminal justice system. This makes police officers' jobs more difficult, increases unnecessary confrontations, confrontations with law enforcement, and hinders public safety. All right. So that was from uh, that was from uh, today. And I'm looking at something here. Let me um, bring this up also. So that shows a difference in approaches to policing from the Trump administration to the Biden administration. That shows a difference right there. Because Trump was against having investigations uh, into police departments, as well as Jeff Sessions, as well as Attorney General William Barr. Attorney General William Barr, Attorney General William Barr said uh, systemic racism and policing doesn't exist. That was Attorney General William Barr. And this is uh, Kristen Clark today at the uh, press conference as well. Okay. Uh, Kristen Clark. um Assistant Attorney General for the Civil Rights Division of the Department of Justice. That's a brilliant sister right there. When she was going through her confirmation hearing in the Senate, though, a lot of those white male Republicans gave her hell because they were jealous of her. They were jealous of her and they knew she was smarter than they'll ever be if they lived to be 200 years old. Okay. So uh, read this piece here from uh, NBC News and then also um, Washington Post has a good article dealing with this as well. Justice Department opened civil rights investigation into Phoenix Police Department. 
um, at so a lot of this is redundant. I'm not going to go through the whole thing, but right here, third paragraph. Uh, at Thursday's announcement, Garland waded into the heated debate over whether to continue an eviction moratorium as the coronavirus Delta variant fuels a new wave of infections across the country. Uh, let me see here. Okay, specter of mass evictions too often. Uh, we asked law enforcement to be the first and last option. Okay, he warned that the specter of mass evictions of tenants unable to pay rent could also lead to greater burdens on police departments. Uh, okay, Phoenix leader said they welcomed the intervention. There's Kristen Clark walking into the press conference. That's a bad sister right there. Okay, now the recommendation, now Mayor Kate uh, Gallego, uh, Democrat, said the recommendations that will result from this review will assist us in our ongoing efforts to become an even safer, stronger, more equitable city. Phoenix Police Chief Jerry Williams said her department has already engaged in reform efforts and would cooperate with Justice Department officials. Uh, let's see here. We are looking forward to seeing what we're doing right and also looking forward to what we can improve on. She said at a news conference in, in Phoenix with, with city manager Ed uh, uh, Zercher. Uh, quote, public trust is essential and effective policing and accountability is a big part of that. Public trust is essential and effective policing and accountability is a big part of that. Now, Michael Britt London, president of the Phoenix Law Enforcement Association, said his organization remains confident in the work of the police department and will cooperate with investigators. The organization's top priority, quote, is to maintain a high standard of community policing and promote ethical policies that protect police officers and our community, end quote, he said in a statement. Um, there is a, let's see, fourth paragraph from the, fourth paragraph from the bottom. Now, officials said the Phoenix investigation will take months to complete. If the Justice Department lawyers conclude the police uh, department engaged in systemic misconduct, they, they may pursue a court-approved consent decree mandating broad reforms. And those reforms would be, uh, it, uh, a federal judge would have oversight on enforcing those reforms. That's, that's called a consent decree. Yet such settlements have produced mixed results in other cities lasting longer than uh, local leaders expect and costing the jurisdiction millions of dollars a year in fees for federal monitors, revamped officer training programs and, and new technology. But on the other hand, some of those same municipalities are paying out millions of dollars a year in police misconduct lawsuits. 
Some, some of those same municipalities are paying out millions of dollars a year in police misconduct lawsuits. And these, these investigations into the patterns and practices in police departments can help reduce how much cities have to pay out in police misconduct lawsuits by changing their, their pr practices and also getting rid of a lot of these rogue police officers. Now, Assistant Attorney General Kristen Clark, who leads the Justice Department's uh, Civil Rights Division, said federal investigators in Minneapolis and, Lu and Louisville have spoken with more than 1,000 community leaders, participated in several dozen patrol rides with local officers and held meetings with police command staff. Those probes remain ongoing. Okay, Kristen Clark said, one thing we have learned over the decades is that we must and will work collaboratively collaboratively with the Phoenix community and police department, she said. Phoenix officials said they agreed with Attorney General Merrick Garland that police are too often, too often asked to respond to situations involving social problems that officers are not adequately trained to handle. And then this causes those, those instances to escalate and then somebody be brutalized or shot injured or killed okay so check out uh this article also from the check this out from uh the washington post where is that from the post Uh, Justice Department opens civil rights investigation into Phoenix Police Department. Justice Department opens civil rights investigation into the Phoenix Police Department. Okay. Um, let's see here. How's everybody doing? Share this broadcasting and social media platforms. Invite your friends to tune in. Uh, we've got Eric, we've got April, uh, we have, uh, Blue Sapphire, just a few of the people watching, Greg Osborne, who still needs to register for the, uh, new 10 week online course that I teach on Saturdays. This was on Saturdays, 3 PM to 5 PM Eastern standard time. Uh, from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. We're going to post a link here. You can uh, still register for that course. As soon as you register, you can start watching the archive content, and we'll see you in class this Saturday. All right, now there is a uh, – we're going to go to this last story here in just a second. There is a tribute to Renoko Rashidi taking place on um this is taking place on sunday august 5th sunday august 5th so after i do teach my sunday class i'll be on uh this broadcast here and let me see if we can go to um uh this was shared by 
Paquette Tours. Let's see if we can go here to the Facebook page. Uh, so this is a tribute to Brother Renoko Rashidi, Brother Taki Grant, who's the director of the film Hapi, uh, is organizing this. Uh, this is at the Aket Tours, A-K-H-E-T, Aket Tours uh, Facebook uh, page. So this is taking place Sunday, August 8th, 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Uh, join us for a tribute to Dr. Renoko Rashidi. Uh, Renoko passed away uh, Tuesday, August 2nd. Okay, was it Tuesday or Monday? Monday, August 2nd, passed away Monday, August 2nd. Uh, he was on tour in Egypt, given a tour in Egypt, passed away of a heart attack. So uh, we're going to be talking about Renoko and our experiences with him, interactions with him, etc. cetera. Uh, it's going to be uh, Tony Browder featuring Tony Browder, uh, Dr. Leonard Jeffries and his wife, Rosna Jeffries, Robin Walker, Camille Yarbrough. Professor Hunter Adams, Dr. Riketti Iman, Professor James Small, I'll be uh, I'll be speaking as well. Okay, uh, Renoko was a friend of mine. I had interviewed him a number of times. Last night I shared another excerpt of an interview I did with Renoko, uh, April seventeenth, twenty fourteen. Okay, and most of these people, I've, I, I, actually all these people I know, I'm, I'm Facebook friends with Robin Walker. Everybody else I've interviewed, I've talked to Camille Yarbrough. I can't remember if I've interviewed Camille or not, but we're Facebook friends. So all these people I know, I've interviewed Ricketti before. Uh, Ricketti's one of the baddest scholars dealing with the metal netter. Now, this is going to be uh, at Hapi Film on YouTube and Facebook. H-A-P-I, Hapi Film on YouTube and Facebook. Okay, so uh, tune in for that. All right, now let me go to this last story here. Um, let's see here. Let me go to this last story. Oh, also, uh, visit Renoko Rashidi's uh, Facebook page. Okay. DrRenoko.com. DrRenoko.com. Visit Renoko Rashidi's Facebook page. Uh, they did a tribute on the Carl Nelson show, Carl Nelson radio show today, uh, 4 p.m. to 7 p.m. This is the official announcement from uh, his family of, of his passing. But visit drrenoko.com. Uh, and they also have a shop here because his DVD lectures and books. You can order from his website also. So that's a big loss there, uh, losing Renoko. All right, I want to go to this last story here. So I saw uh, this article here from, this is from the Providence Journal, the Providence Journal. And you hear me talk about all the time the need uh, for the history of African-Americans to be taught in school, okay? Uh, our history needs to be taught in every school in America, not just schools where we 
uh, where we are the uh, predominant students. You know, uh, the, the history of African-Americans needs to be taught in every school across the country. And this is something also that um, Dr. Carter G. Woodson said as well. Okay. So there's an article here from uh, the Providence Journal. Uh, McKee signs black history and heritage curriculum into law. Okay. This is uh, Governor uh, Dan McKee of uh, Rhode Island. Uh, he signs the uh, signs black history and heritage curriculum into law. So if we look at this article here, uh, with the stroke of his pen, Governor Dan McKee on Friday, July 30th, added a crucial piece of Rhode Island's history to the uh, public school curriculum, the teaching of black heritage and history, the teaching of black heritage and history. Now, Keith Stokes, vice president of the uh, Black Heritage Society and one of the leading lights behind this effort, uh, said it took 400 years to get here. It took 400 years to get here. Now, Keith Stokes is also one of the curators, curators of our hidden history, race and ethnicity in Rhode Island, which began as a regular feature on the Providence Journal opinion page since the summer of 2020. Now, the new curriculum uh, will cover the African diaspora to Rhode Island, uh, which began with the first slave ship in 1696. Okay, the first slave ship in 1696. And this was the first slave ship to go to Rhode Island and later drew individuals, individuals of African descent from the Caribbean as well as Central and South America. Uh, now, the curriculum developed in conjunction with the Rhode Island Black Heritage Society, Rhode Island College, and the Rhode Island Historical Society will also include an African heritage road trip and a website where students can access hundreds of historical documents and photographs, a virtual trip back in time, okay? They'll, it, this will include an African heritage road trip and a website where students can access hundreds of historical documents and photographs. Now, State Representative Anastasia Williams, a Democrat from Providence, Rhode Island, has championed the inclusion of black history since 2014. She said, do you know we had a black representative in 1885, a black, uh, a black state representative. Do you know we had a black representative in 1885? There are no stories about that, but I'm about to change that. Now, she said that we're going to tell our, ki our kids the truth. She told a packed house at the old brick schoolhouse in Providence, Rhode Island home of the first black school in Rhode Island. She said, even, even though their names have been forgotten, our students will learn the tremendous obstacles we had to overcome to build our society. 
Now, this whole curriculum uh, was seven years in the making, seven years in the making. The black history curriculum originated with the 1696 Historical Commission, which was signed into law in 2014. Now, the uh, commission was asked to develop a comprehensive African-American history curriculum for Rhode Island, uh, for Rhode Island school, for Rhode Island's public schools from kindergarten through 12th grade. Okay, the commission was asked to develop a comprehensive African-American history curriculum for Rhode Island's public schools from kindergarten through 12th grade. Dozens of elected officials, educators and historians contributed to the effort. Earlier this year, the General Assembly passed legislation requiring public K through 12 schools to teach the curriculum. Uh, Rhode Island Secretary of State Nellie Gorbia said, it's beautiful to live in this moment. It's beautiful to live in this moment. And see, this is why this study here that you hear me talk about from the Southern Poverty Law Center, teaching hard history American slavery is so important. Teaching hard history American slavery because this study document documents how the history of slavery is being incorrectly taught in schools all across the country and how to more uh, correctly teach uh, the history. Okay, it gives numerous uh, suggestions on how to more correctly teach uh, the history of slavery and, and teach uh, uh, African-American history. Okay. You can get this from uh, Southern Poverty Law Center's website. It's free to download. I took it to the printer and got it printed up. So when I teach my classes, I take, you know, this is uh, a source that I use. But go to splcenter.org, splcenter.org, Southern Poverty Law Center, Teaching Hard History, American Slavery, splcenter.org. And Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, it, uh, who's an associate professor of history at Ohio State University. He was uh, the chair of the advisory board that put that put this together. Um, the Ohio State University in chair of the Teaching Hard History Advisory Board, Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries. And we've had him here on the show before, Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries. He's also a nephew to one of my teachers, Dr. Leonard Jeffries. Dr. Hassan Kwame Jeffries, that's a bad brother right there. We, uh, we had him on talking about uh, John Lewis and uh, Kwame Ture, Stokely Carmichael, and the SNCC and the Black Power Movement. Uh, that was last year, like July, I think, uh, after we we, we talked, uh, we had him on after uh, John Lewis' funeral. Uh, John Lewis's funeral. Okay, let's continue here. Now, uh, Rhode Island Secretary of State Nellie Gorbia said, our healing as a state and as a country can begin with inclusive education. Our healing as a state and a country and as a country can begin 
with inclusive education. Now, Senator Tierra Mack, okay, Tierra Mack, Democrat of Providence, Rhode Island, the key sponsor in the Senate, in the state Senate, said, as a young black woman, it's great to see the triumphs, resiliency, and beauty of our painful past. As a young black woman, it's great to see the tri triumphs, resiliency, and beauty of our painful past. Our students will tell these stories to future generations. We'll be able to create a future that includes all of us. And see, this is why African history is so important. Um, what you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. So it's African history and culture that gives us our foundation. It gives us our values, our interests, and our principles. And this influences, this impacts our economic empowerment, our political empowerment. This impacts our self-esteem, our self-development, our self-worth. It impacts how we see ourselves. But this history also connects us to our ancestors and teaches us the the battles that they had, the fights that they had, the successes that they had. And it causes us to have a renewed respect for what they went through, even if we may not agree with uh, all the tactics, tactics that were used or what have you. It causes us to have a renewed respect for what they endured. So this is extremely important. Uh, the curriculum will explore the early years of enslavement, the roles that uh, Black Rhode Islanders played in the Re American Revolutionary War and uh, the Civil War, Reconstruction, uh, the Great Migration North and onward. Uh, the law takes effect with the graduating class of 2025. The graduating class of 2025. Now, Governor Dan McKee called the inclusion of African history in the curriculum long overdue, adding that Rhode Island has had a complex history. Rhode Island has had a complex history. He said, this is a strong message about our commitment to an education that is inclusive, he said. Now, Providence uh, Mayor Jorge Elorza described how he had no professional role models growing up. So the idea of becoming a lawyer, which he eventually did seem foreign to him. He had no professional role models growing up. So the idea of becoming a lawyer, which he eventually did seemed foreign to him. And oftentimes it's difficult to be what you can't see. It's difficult to be what you can't see and whatever's disseminated becomes imitated. This is why images, negative stereotypical images of African-Americans are shown to us through the media as, as a form of control, manipulation, and programming. Whatever is disseminated becomes imitated. And when you control the radius of a man or woman's thoughts, you can control the circumference of his, her, his or her actions, okay? This is understanding the propaganda of the media. These are things that we have to fight back against, but if you think you are an N-word, if you think you are a B or H, most likely you're not going to fight back against this. 
See, the reason why many of our people don't fight back is because many of our people don't think that we're fighting for. Oftentimes we don't, oftentimes we've been so psychologically attacked. Many of us don't think we're worth having more than what we have. And we have bought into the, 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 these, these white supremacist ideologies that we are lesser than. So we so so we just acquiesce. We just settle for that. And then we allow negative corporate control hip hop to be played. All, all you have to do is look at. The treatment that the hip hop artists who I don't like the baby. I mean, a grown ass man calls himself the baby. Something's wrong right there. OK, but also a grown ass woman uh, calling herself Megan the Stallion. And a stallion is a male horse that has not been castrated. Look at the definition of the word stallion. Stallion is not a female horse. Stallion, a stallion is a male horse that is not being castrated. So just as it's crazy, it makes no sense for a grown man to call himself the baby. It makes no sense for a grown woman to call herself a stallion. But okay, whatever. But I may do a separate broadcast on this because I've dealt with, I've been studying media for 30 years. Um, the backlash the baby is getting for what are labeled as quote unquote homophobic uh, comments. And he's being canceled from concerts and things like this, right? But he's not getting backlash for calling people the N-word and calling women B's and H's in his music. And, and, and derogatory music regarding African-Americans. He, he, he's not being canceled from concerts for that. The reason why is because you only protect what you respect. See, you can say whatever you want to about Negroes. You're going to be rewarded for that. You're going to perform at the Grammys. You're going to get, you're going to have a uh, song of the year, like WAP. Okay. Song of the year. You can be as dehumanizing and as negative. You can say whatever you want to about Negroes. But the minute you step out of line and you start talking about other groups who are perceived to have more value. Now, all of a sudden it's a problem and you're going to face consequences and repercussions this is what's happening right here you only protect what you respect if you go back so you should see we have to sit back and ask the question well wait a second how is it that he says something negative about lgbt community and then he's getting dropped from concerts but he can call black people all types of names call us the n-word all types of stuff like that and there's no consequences why are we the only ones that you can say negative things about? If you now, so now let's look at this. The same rappers, the same rappers who will say they can call black women the B word because they have a First Amendment right to freedom of speech. Well, where's your freedom of speech now? Talking about the LGBT community. You ain't talking about freedom of speech now. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Well, hold on. 
how is it that you got to pay a price when you disrespect other people, but you don't have to pay a price when you disrespect us because you only protect what you respect. So the questions we have to ask ourselves is, is what price are they going to have to pay to us? How are they going to have to deal with us? How are they going to have to acquiesce or apologize or capitulate to us when they disrespect us, but not just them. We have to go after the record, uh, the record corporations. Because they're the ones that allow it. The white-owned corporations, it was white people that financed what? It was white people that financed the, the music video, marketed the song, all that stuff. And whatever is disseminated becomes imitated. This is programming. But we have to have enough self-esteem and self-respect to fight back against the programming as opposed to justifying the dehumanization of our own people. If you look at, I talked about this two or three weeks ago. If you want to see a big difference in the way one group is treated over another group, all you have to do is look at um, Rick Ross and what happened with the song U-O-E-N-O. And the controversy over those lyrics. Billboard.com had an article. Now I talked about this when it happened. Because once again, I've been studying media for 30 years. So I can give you numerous examples of things like this. We can go back to 1995 when Michael Jackson had the song, They Don't Really Care About Us. And the Jewish community took, took exception to that. And Sony took every last one of those CDs off the shelf remove the controversial lyrics, then put the CD back on the show. But the CDs they have from, from, from artists calling uh, black people the N-word, things like this, they left that stuff on the shelf. That wasn't a problem because you only protect what you respect. But if we look at this article here, Reebok drops Rick Ross over U-O-E-N-O rap lyrics. This is from April 11, 2013. I talked about this when it happened. Reebok drops Rick Ross over U-O-E-N-O rape, uh, rap, uh, rape lyrics, rape lyrics. So um, what happened was Rick Ross had some verses uh, on a song, uh, on Rocco's uh, song, U-O-E-N-O. Rick Ross came under fire for lyrics on this song that says, quote, put Molly all in her champagne. She ain't, she ain't even know. She ain't even know it. I took her home and I enjoyed that. She ain't even know it, end quote, okay? So Molly is a drug. He's talking about putting it in her champagne and having sex with her and she not knowing about it, okay? This, so like date rape or rape or whatever you want to call it, sexual assault. Now, the hip-hop artist Rocco told 90, uh, Hot 97 on Tuesday, April 9th in 2013 that he will release a version of U-O-E-N-O without Rick Ross's verse. Quote, with all respect to the homie, uh, Ross, it's a catch-22. Rocco said, I don't want him, I don't want to take him off, 
but one thing that's set in stone is he's always going to be on that song it doesn't matter who i put on the song that's going to always be the original you're going to release a version without calling those n-word and women beat and all that stuff you you're going to release a version take that out too uh so here here's what happened rick ross had an endorsement contract with reebok well uh white white women started protesting against the lyrics of this song white women were out in front of reebok's flagship store uh, the ultraviolet uh, uh, organization. They were out protesting in front of Reebok's flagship store in New York City. You know what Reebok said? R Reebok didn't say, if you don't like the lyrics, uh, change the radio station. Reebok didn't say, uh, if you don't like the lyrics, you should teach your children better. Reebok didn't say, if you don't like the lyrics, change the radio station. Reebok didn't say, oh, well, he's not talking about you. He's talking about those other women. He, he's, he, he's not talking about you. He's talking about those other H's. He's talking about those other B's. That's not, that's not what Reebok told the white women who were protesting. You know what Reebok said? Reebok, Reebok put out a statement. At this time, it's in everyone's best interest for Reebok to end its partnership with Mr. Ross. Reebok fired Rick Ross's ass. Reebok fired him, canceled his contract, his endorsement contract he had with Reebok. Then they put out a statement basically saying they don't want to have nothing to do with him. Now, why didn't they tell the white women, if, if you don't like his lyrics, change the radio station? Why didn't they tell the white women who were protesting, if you don't like his lyrics, then uh, uh, don't buy it? Because that's what they tell us. Because you only protect what you respect. All we, can, all we have to do is go look at what happens when other protected groups are disrespected and see the backlash that black hip-hop artists get. Or black artists in general, King of Pop, Michael Jackson. All right. Read this article from Billboard. See, I talked about all this stuff when it came when, when it happened. So what we have to one, we have to have enough self-respect where we stop financing our own dehumanization and justifying our own dehumanization, number one. And stop justifying this nonsense. Two we have to go after these corporations and find out where our 401k dollars are invested, find out where our pension fund dollars are invested, because many of us are invested in entertainment companies that are putting out negative corporate control hip hop and putting out negative stereotypical images of African-Americans and we're financing our own dehumanization. So we have to redistribute the pain economically and let them know we're not going to tolerate this. The reason why they keep doing this is because we keep tolerating it and making excuses for our own dehumanization, why they keep profiting off our own dehumanization. Just like, just like they profited off our, our own dehumanization during slavery, 
they're doing the same thing here, just like they profited off of our own dehumanization with the minstrel shows, starting in the late 1820s with T.D. Rice, Thomas Dartmouth Rice, who created the Jim Crow character, and he became known as the father of the minstrel shows. He, cre he created the Jim Crow character about 1828, 1829, and then all these other white men start putting on blackface and adopting the Southern dialect, tattered torn clothings, and, and, and performing caricatures of African-Americans, dehumanizing us and making money off of it. This is a continuation of that. Back to this article from the Providence Journal, because all this is connected. What you do for yourself, what you do to yourself, and what you allow other people to do to you and get away with is based upon what you think about yourself. What you think about yourself is based upon what you have been taught about yourself. What you've been taught about yourself is based upon everything you've read, heard, and seen about yourself. All of this is connected. So Providence Mayor, Providence Rhode Island Mayor, Mayor Jorge Eloza said, now every child will be able to look and see themselves in the curriculum as kings and queens, not B's and H's, not N words, not thoughts, okay? But as kings and queens, as innovators, as doctors, as lawyers, as architects, as creators of civilization, as founders of, as mothers and fathers of civilization, not the subject of dehumanization, but as mothers and fathers of civilization, as community leaders, it's nothing short of opening kids' minds. It's nothing short of opening kids' minds. Okay, so read this uh, piece here from the Providence Journal, providencejournal.com. McKee signs Black History and Heritage Curriculum into law. McKee signs Black History and Heritage Curriculum into law. Uh, there was also another piece that I saw on this. Uh, this was from, you can check this out. This was from a local news source. This was uh, Channel 10, I think it was. Now, I haven't seen a whole lot of information in the news about this. There was a uh, about a 59-second clip on uh, the Black News Channel about this. There should be, there should be more about it. Um, as much as they're talking about the baby, there should be more about it. Once again, a grown-ass man calling himself the baby. I'm, I'm uh, all right. Next thing you know, to be an artist calling himself the crack baby. <laughs> okay. <laughs> or if you remember Robin Harris, test tube baby. <laughs> okay. I'm surprised you don't have hip hop artists called as, as a group of them call themselves baby's kids. <laughs> we don't die. We multiply. <laughs> Governor McKee signs African Heritage and History Curriculum Bill into law. This is from um, WJ, w, uh, turn210.com, turn210.com, WJR um, channel, uh, WJR, WJAR channel 10, NBC uh, news affiliate there in Providence, Rhode Island. Okay, here's a picture of the signing of the bill so you can read this also this is uh picked up from the associated press
uh, Governor uh, Daniel McKee said the inclusion of the inclusion of African heritage and history in Rhode Island curricula is long overdue. I hope that Rhode Island will lead the nation in the effort to educate our young people on a full scope of history, including teaching students about events that took place right where they live. Okay. All right. So read this also. All right. We've got April, Eric. So everybody follows on our, um, Facebook fan page, the African history network, the African history network and our YouTube channel, Michael M. Hotep, I M H O T E P turn on live notifications. So, you know, when we go live, uh, as well. And, um, uh okay yeah he uh, the baby has put out a second apology okay now i'm waiting for him to apologize to the african-american community for dehumanizing us in his lyrics i'm waiting on that uh yeah i may do a separate broadcast on this you know this is um So you got, okay, so you got this article here from Yahoo News picked up from uh, theroot.com. Following the baby's second apology, 11 HIV AIDS organizations issue an open letter to the rapper. Um... Okay. See, this is it was the African American community that these artists first, most of them first got their support from. And it's the African American community that they disrespect the most and apologize to last, if they apologize at all. Um, all right. So we'll talk about this later, uh, I guess. Okay. Hey, if you like this type of information, you can support the African History Network, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App, dollar sign, the AHN show, through Cash App, also through PayPal, paypal.me, forward slash the AHN show, paypal.me forward slash the AHN show. Okay. We're here six days a week. This helps us keep doing the research, stay on the air, keep broadcasting, uh, cover expenses, pay some of the bills. Also at our website, africanhistorynetwork.com, africanhistorynetwork.com. All right. Be sure to register for uh, the two online courses that I teach, uh, one on Saturday, one on Sunday. Uh, my new one is from the Civil War to the Civil Rights Movement and Black Power, 1865 to 1968. And we deal with history after the Civil War, uh, after the Civil War ends. And we deal with the Reconstruction Era, Jim Crow Era, uh, reversal of our rights, um, uh, attack, uh, the attacks on African-American rights, et cetera. 
uh, black code, sharecropping. We go through the World War One era, World War Two, Great Migration, Harlem Renaissance, UNIA, Universal Negro Improvement Association, and Marcus Garvey, um, Dr. Carter G. Woodson's organization, Association for the Study of Negro Life and History, Nation of Islam, all that, then through the Civil Rights Movement and the Black Power Movement. Okay, this is a 10-week online course that I teach. We do this Saturdays, 3 p.m. to 5 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. We do the class live. So you can see me in class. I can't see you. So it's not like Zoom. It's not like a Zoom meeting at work and you see everybody's face. You know, no, you see me. I don't see you. We have a live text chat. You can ask questions in class. Uh, you can don't have to worry about getting dressed up for class. You can have on pajamas or what have you. You can have a bonnet on if you want to. I, I, I can't see you, so it doesn't matter. Um, and then you can watch from around the world, and all the sessions are recorded also. They're archived, so you can go back and watch them anytime. So we have that one. Uh, click on register here. It takes you to the next page. Click on enroll. And then uh, this one, this is the first class that I teach. Uh, this one deals with thousands of years of history from uh, ancient Kemet, the Moors, and the Ma'afa, understanding the transatlantic slave trade, what they didn't teach you in school. So we teach this one on uh, Sundays, uh, 2 p.m. to 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, as soon as you register uh, this archive content that you can watch also. The classes are regularly $130 on sale, $80. That's at AfricanHistoryNetwork.com, AfricanHistoryNetwork.com. All right. Look, we have to get out of here. Remember, at the African History Network, we focus on educating, empowering, and inspiring people of African descent throughout the diaspora and around the world. Because right now, it's correct wrong behavior. It's not over till we win. We're kind of forever. And we'll talk to you tomorrow. Peace. Black on Purpose Television Network. Yes, Black on Purpose Television Network. All black. All positive. All the time. The largest black-owned streaming television network in the world. Bringing our people together worldwide. Controlling our messages, our stories, our way. Black TV the way it should be. Black music, black history, and more. 30 plus channels, thousands of shows. Black on Purpose Television Network. Subscribe now. Gain knowledge in minutes from insightful summaries of progressive and socially conscious books. Blacklisted gives you access to curated content that'll satisfy your curiosity to learn and understand different perspectives. Empower yourself through inspirational and actionable ideas. It's easy to read or listen to on the go. Blacklisted, empower yourself. Start your free trial today. We all know the cannabis industry is headed toward an uprise in the past decade. What happens when there is a brand that brings this uprise in a blow? The cannabis industry welcomes her uprise. Hustle Her Hemp. Delivering excellence with pride is her watchword, and how you choose to embrace it makes it a priority. From cultivating rich cannabis into exquisite and tastefully finished CBD products to delivery, Hustler Hemp leaves no stone unturned. Hustler Hemp's mission is to empower women of color by building business and creating legacies, uniting beauty, health, and business. We are a pure definition of how we want the CBD industry to become in the future. 
While we are redefining innovation, we bring the same energy to improving the quality of life. Hustle Her Hemp is the new Uprise. Hi, I'm Joel Wilson, President and CEO of JCW Computer Consulting LLC, a technology implementation firm with over 20 years of satisfying customers. We offer a full spectrum of industry top-tier branded services. We are an authorized partner or reseller for Lenovo, Zoom, T-Mobile, Microsoft 365, and Surface tablets, Google Workspace, Acer, Asus, Samsung, PCmatic security software, and many more. Our online store features laptops, Chromebooks, computers, printers, accessories, and software. Businesses, take advantage of our free one-hour Zoom tech consultation and know we offer top nationwide high-speed internet service providers, voice over IP, and cellular phone services. Home users, don't miss our current in-stock Chromebook inventory. Please visit us at jcwcc.com or call 215-879-6701.